fetal XX and XY phenotypic expression is a complex procedure. When the XY karyotype has an error in phenotypic expression, what can result is a phenotypic female but with an XY karyotype. In this session, we will cover androgen insensitivity syndrome and compare it to Swire syndrome, two very different conditions but both marked by XY chromosome makeup. In humans, normal females and males are characterized by an XX and XY karyotype, respectfully. Female patients with androgen insensitivity syndrome and pure gonadal dysgenesis, also known as Swire syndrome, have a pure XY karyotype. Androgen insensitivity syndrome was first described by Morris in 1953 and was initially termed Morris syndrome. Now, of course, it's known as AIS. Two years later, in 1955, Swire described a similar syndrome, formerly termed Swire syndrome, and now replaced with the term pure gonadal dysgenesis. Although these syndromes have been known for many years, there still is not a lot of formal guidelines based on these two conditions. So in this session, we will review those in more detail. In embryology, the primary sexual development leading to a male phenotype is the expression of SDF, that sex-determining genetic factor in males, or by the absence of this factor in females. Normal male sexual differentiation starts with testes development from the sixth week of fetal life. The initiation of this development depends on the activation and interaction of several genes, including FGF9, M33, antimalurian hormone gene, and SRY, which is the sex-determining region on the Y chromosome. Now, SRY activation of antimalurian hormone leads to the degeneration of the malurian ducts and so the generation of a male. In the presence of androgens acting through androgen receptors, the Wolfian ducts develop into reedy testes, efferent ducts, the epididymis, vas deferens, seminal vesicle, and the prostate. Disruption in this process can lead to the development of pure XY females. Now, in the absence of antimalurian hormone, the malurian ducts develop into the upper vagina, cervix, uterus, and the oviducts, thereby generating the normal female internal genitalia. Before we get into the specifics of androgen insensitivity syndrome, or the counterpart Swire syndrome, also known as pure gonadal dysgenesis, a quick word about clinical appearance and diagnosis. Most patients are first diagnosed during puberty in the absence of menstruation. At birth and during childhood, the patients are phenotypical females despite their XY karyotype. Now, XY females would not be detected by prenatal diagnosis, like chorionic villi sampling or amniocentesis, because the individual would be taken as a normal male fetus until the girl phenotype is discovered at birth. Now, in rare cases, XY females are diagnosed at birth by performing fetal analysis that includes karyotyping. The specialist who evaluates and diagnoses these patients should be aware that there are at least four categories of XY females, AIS and pure, 
mixed, and partial gonadal dysgenesis. Again, the four categories of XY females are androgen insensitivity syndrome and three types of gonadal dysgenesis, pure, mixed, and partial. The different syndromes have many synonyms and there are many subcategories, but let's focus on the two main branches of AIS and pure gonadal dysgenesis next. Androgen insensitivity syndrome is a result of non-functional androgen receptor. Androgen receptor belongs to the superfamily of nuclear receptors and is activated by the binding of androgens, either testosterone or dihydrotestosterone, known as DHT. More than 300 different mutations in the AR can lead to organ resistance to androgens. Now, because the AR gene is located on the X chromosome, the syndrome is consequently an X-linked recessive disorder passed on from the unaffected mother who is a carrier of the mutated gene. So that's a clinical pearl. For androgen insensitivity syndrome, the AR gene is located on the X chromosome and it is passed from the unaffected mother to the affected child. If a mother carries the defective androgen receptor gene on one of her X chromosomes, her risk of having a child that carries a defective gene, of course, is 50%. Now, depending on the degree of insensitivity to androgens, the phenotypes will range from complete female, known as complete AIS, to ambiguous genitalia, known as partial AIS, to the infertile male phenotype, which is minor AIS expression. Okay, here's the information that's always on a shelf test or oral boards. Androgen insensitivity syndrome. Females have female external genitalia, possibly with clitoral hypertrophy and underdeveloped labia. All patients have a blind vaginal pouch of variable length and there is no uterus or fallopian tubes. The gonads are not streak but are testes and they are located either in the internal inguinal canal intra-abdominally, or herniated into the labia. Some patients present in early infancy with bilateral inguinal or labial swelling. At puberty, they have normal breast development with underdeveloped and pale nipples and absence or sparse pubic and axillary hair. The female characteristics are due to the transformation of excessive androgens to estrogens. On hormone analysis, androgens will be elevated to male levels. Concentrations of sex hormone binding globulin are similar to that of normal females. Additionally, inhibin B and antimalarian hormone levels are elevated in AIS females, with the latter correlating with the functioning testicular tissue amount. All right, so remember how these patients present. As a wrap-up, these patients present during puberty because of primary amenorrhea. These patients have breast development. So the next step would be to check for the presence or absence of a uterus. Remember that androgen insensitivity syndrome, these patients do not have a uterus. So the next step would be a chromosome analysis by karyotype. When the chromosome analysis returns as 46XY, the diagnosis is confirmed as androgen insensitivity syndrome. All right, let's stop there for a minute and switch gears and focus on Swire syndrome. Remember, that's S-W-Y-E-R. 
also known as pure gonadal dysgenesis. Another condition, again, with a foundation being XY karyotype, but phenotypic female expression. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In pure gonadal dysgenesis, various mutations in the SRY gene are believed to account for about 10 to 20% of all cases of females with pure gonadal dysgenesis, and this results in retaining of Malurian ducts in a genetic male. Females with pure gonadal dysgenesis have female external genitalia. They do have a small uterus, fallopian tubes, and they have streak gonads. Most secondary sex characteristics do not develop because of the inability of the streak gonads to produce estrogens and androgens at normal levels. So that's a clinical pearl. Remember that AIS has females at puberty that do have breast development, but females with pure gonadal dysgenesis, also known as Weyer's syndrome, present with lack of secondary sexual characteristics. The lack of estrogen is responsible for the deficiency in this breast development. They also have underdeveloped widening of pelvis and hips and absence of menstruation. Small amounts of androgens are produced by the adrenal glands, which are not affected by this syndrome. Because of the small amount of androgens, these girls will only grow a modest quantity of pubic hair. Hormone analysis will show high levels of androgens compared with that in normal females, but these will not reach the normal male level, whereas estrogens will be absent or at very low levels. Remember, that's because the gonads are streak. Estrogens produced by streak gonads or gonadoblastomas, which may be present in patients with pure gonadal dysgenesis, can delay this diagnosis. Before we move on, let's state the contrast between these two conditions. Remember that AIS females have breast development, but they do not have internal female anatomy. However, females with Swire syndrome, also known as pure gonadal dysgenesis, do not have breast development, but do have a small uterus and fallopian tubes. Remember that gonad characteristics with AIS represent normal testes. However, in pure gonadal dysgenesis, the gonads are bilateral dysgenetic streak gonads. In terms of Malurian or Wolfian ducts, remember that patients with AIS have Wolfian structures, whereas those with pure gonadal dysgenesis have well-developed Malurian structures. 
we have to stress that this isn't just a phenotypic issue. This has consequences in terms of sexual health, sexual relationships, estrogen levels, and future malignancies. XY females are more likely to develop gonadal tumors than normal females. Because pure XY women are rare and most have had their gonads removed, it's actually difficult to estimate the true cancer risk in these patients. Regarding androgen insensitivity syndrome, during childhood, malignant intratubular germ cells called carcinoma in situ can be identified, although these do not possess an immediate risk of tumor development. The risk of tumor development does increase with age with AIS patients, and carcinoma in situ can develop into malignant intratubular germ cell neoplasia. Here's a clinical pearl. The most frequent testicular tumor in AIS is the seminoma. It is believed to originate from the germinal epithelium of the seminiferous tubules. Other tumors like the teratoma and sertori cell tumors have been reported. Regarding malignancy risk, in pure gonadal dysgenesis, females with Swire syndrome have a high predisposition to gonadal tumors like gonadoblastomas and gonadal dysgerminomas. Gonadoblastomas consist of germ cells and sex cord derivatives. Remember, that's gonadoblastoma. Now, this type of tumor is the most common in patients with pure gonadal dysgenesis. Some patients develop dysgerminomas that consist of germ cells. This form coexists in about 50% of patients with gonadoblastomas. There is inconsistency in the reported number of females with pure gonadal dysgenesis who develop tumors, but most report that tumors occur in about 30% of all females with pure gonadal dysgenesis. Some claim that the risk may be as high as 46% or even as high as 70%, but there are some indications that this risk does increase with age. Before deciding whether the gonads should be removed, the patient should be counseled and every risk and side effect considered. Because dysgerminomas are noted to be highly sensitive to chemotherapy and radiation, such treatment could replace gonadectomy in some cases. Roughly 75% of all recurrences occur within one year of the first treatment. It is therefore important to follow up and make regular pelvic examinations and check for tumors in these patients. All pure XY females should receive continuous hormone treatment, especially after godenectomy. This will supplement their lack of sexual hormones and, in patients with pure gonadal dysgenesis, induce regular menarche to prevent malignancies. Furthermore, hormones can prevent osteoporosis and cardiovascular disease. Often, it is necessary to treat XY females with larger hormone dosages compared with those used in the treatment of normal menopausal women. Vaginal hypoplasia in patients with AIS can be treated in a variety of ways, from patient-derived self-pressure dilation to a variety of surgical options. Lastly, regarding pregnancy and delivery, remember that patients with AIS and pure gonadal dysgenesis are considered sterile, but pregnancies have been obtained in patients with pure gonadal dysgenesis who have been the recipients of allogenic oocytes. These patients usually receive embryo transplant via IVF. 
Now, few cases of pregnancy in patients with pure gonadal dysgenesis have been reported. All pregnancies were actually uncomplicated and no increased frequency of abnormal fetal presentations were observed. However, almost every pregnancy ended with C-section owing to the inability of the uterus to react to prostaglandins and oxytocin. Now, it could be proposed that these hormone receptors of the hypoplastic uteri may be deficient or the cervix uteri might lack the ability to functionally dilate in labor. If pregnancy is desired and the patient is considered an oocyte receiver, hormone treatment should be initiated. This treatment will prepare the uterus for embryo implantation and should be continued throughout the remainder of the pregnancy. Well, we have covered two phenotypic female presentations in patients that are genetic males. So, we have covered the care of women with XY karyotype, either with androgen insensitivity syndrome or pure gonadal dysgenesis, formerly called Swire syndrome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Clinical Pearls.